1: That I've been able to just kind of keep building it up
2: yeah it seemed like see, that part I find really interesting and it's something you would only know if you were in the business there's so much rich history at clubs that you wouldn't even think are clubs there's so much rich history if you if you if you learn about it like you know like how many people have played the whiskey a go-go how many people have played you know uh different rooms in San Diego in, in it's just like I had no idea that Jewel played there or was like a resident there. And it just, mm-hmm. that's the, the stuff you would only know if you were in a position like yourself. And...
1: Yeah. And that, that was, that was, that was where it all started. Like the, the, we we're talking about being self educated for the right. purpose of furthering, you know, your life's goals. So if you're not going to do it via school or traditional roots, you still have to do it. Right. You still have to put the work in. Um, and not just the, the hands-on work of your craft, but you have to know the history of the, the people that, that, that did it before you, so you know how to connect the dots and how it got to where you are.
2: Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's interesting, like, um, there's this book called Technopoly, but in the book, the guy makes the argument, much like you did, that history should be part of every subject. Whether you're going to talk about baseball, guitar playing, or surfing, every sport, every activity has a history behind it. And if you want to succeed in that passion you're doing, you should know the history of the thing you're learning,
0: right? Yeah. You yeah.
2: learn from people
1: before you. Yeah, like I haven't been, this is my first time like back in California in almost 20 years, like, like you know, with some roots here. So, but you know, when we were kids, we were surfing and skateboarding. Yeah. Yep. I still, I still know my surf history and my skateboarding history.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Right.
1: And I never, I, I never really pursued doing any of those professionally. Right. But I love them so much. And I still do that. I couldn't sit here and tell you that I love them, but then not be able to answer your questions about them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel weird about that. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's things along the way that whether I try to do them professionally or not, if i if i truly love them or care about them i need to learn about them right and and more than just the doing of them yeah you know i still know my baseball history pretty well you know <laughs> when we were kids we would nerd out on that stuff yeah yeah you know be- baseball cards and 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 reading uh or watching uh, this week in baseball and learning our history yeah you know yep yeah
2: i'm so amazed at like if you look at where like north county san diego adam there is so many talented people that came out of there like if you look at the skateboarding industry the surfing, oh, yeah the music industry like just look at the people we went to school with and like there's some real killers out there you know what i mean that just went on to be artists in their own right you know it, it, it's so mind-blowing to look back and be like dude, i can't believe I used to hang out with the... dude, this guy yeah new... or, this guy's a pro skater or, dude, this guy's a pro surfer or yeah this girl's a, this girl's a, oh my God, have you seen that girl's paintings? You know, it's like, it's so, to me, I feel so inspired and thankful to have got to play a small role in all these people's lives that are so, at least to me, important and, and artistic. And I, looking back on your life, I, I I hope everyone can look back on their life. And if they don't see it now, I think they will when they're later, but I, I, I hope they can all find some inspiration from the people they hung out with you think of, was there something in the water
1: in San Diego or what was it? I, I feel like it was just the right combination of time and place mm. and, and souls, like the right people were there. Yeah. You know, cause it couldn't, I don't, maybe it could have, I don't know, but I, I feel like it was, it was meant to be that group of people. Like we were, we were really uh, lucky in that there were cliques and there were groups and all that thing but there was like this inner circle that was bigger than all those little cliques right where we all had one foot in one circle and one foot in the other circle but we were all in this bigger circle where we all had similar interests and then we all had really different interests but we were all friends yeah you know and that's it, it wasn't a bunch of closed off small circles of of people that didn't interact we all we all got along we all you know even like we had a huge gang problem that people don't realize and we yeah. had a huge drug problem that people don't realize <laughs> yeah like d- i think w- it might still stand like we had the like the biggest drug bust in american high school history happen at a rancho yeah yeah while we were there and we had uh we had the biggest national gang crisis in junior high yeah like per- we had more gang members per capita registered with like the sheriff's department than anywhere in the country at the same time that we had the drug thing. But, but we, we were friends with some of those kids and those gangs and some of those kids selling drugs. They weren't all bad people. They were just doing stupid shit. Yeah, they were. It's true. It's true. Yeah. There was a lot of good people that came out of that.
2: Yeah. It's so weird to think about. You have an explode. You have the worst drug crisis, but then also an explosion of creativity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some of the like, like there was I think a lot of people, maybe it was our circle of friends, but you know, a lot of people were so talented in a lot of ways. I, I remember do you remember Josh and Dylan Moore? They were Oh right? yeah, yeah. Like those guys they were they were they went to school with us since we were kids. And like I remember those guys doing like the stairs at Rancho, the library stairs for people it's oh, yeah. that, like twenty five stairs. And like both of those guys were some of the most articulate men i've ever known those guys were like on another level when it came to intelligence yeah. yeah on a different level when it came to skateboarding like i just remember being like always looking at those guys going, dude
1: they got it. these guys did it man how do they do those stairs how, yeah i just doing so good at math you know they were they were um i used to go over to their house when i was because they were a couple years younger than or older than me right and i would i would i remember going over to their house like on the weekends Like way too early, like seven in the morning, and like I lived miles away, and I would I would hike my way down the railroad tracks with my skateboard and go knock on their door and like, let's go! Like I would I would be raging, and they would just be like, half asleep and like trying to like like I was like a little kid to them, like they couldn't believe that I would like I would just be so so amped to go hang out with them and skate, but they were always cool. They never slammed the door in my face. They never were like, dude, what do you get out of here? They never did that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and their older their older brothers were musicians. Oh, I didn't you know? Know, know that. Yeah, it's like Star and Ben. And Ben Ben's a, a really well respected music producer and musician in San Diego still. Oh, I could like, see he, that. Like he's a huge, huge part of the music scene. He's a he's a hub. Mm. Yeah, like he's uh, he's produced some pretty big albums and like uh some of them for like friends of mine like bands that i've i've been in or played in yeah as a higher as a hired gun like he's done their records and stuff he's he's well respected yeah I, and uh and you were talking about like keeping it real and not you know like not selling out musically or artistically that's what that's what ben and dylan did with skateboarding yeah it is they they were they were at least And and in skateboarding, five years is huge, huge. The progression, the progression happens so fast in skateboarding, you know, every, every three months they were, they were years ahead of of most people and and chose not to make it their profession because they, I guess intuitively they knew the risk involved in making your love, your job. Yeah. And that's like, at the time I thought you guys are nuts. (laughs) Like you know, I was I was young and like eager and they were like, they were wise old men when they were like 16. Yeah, they were super smart. It really was. Um, and so like now I look back and just like, just mad respect, you know, they, they, I mean, it helped that they were super smart. They, they wasn't skateboarding wasn't their only way out. Right. Whereas some of our other friends, it kind of was, they, they had a, a, a head start compared to like myself and some of our friends that that were able to make their art or their love their job. You know, for me, like, I, 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 unless I wanted to do something like dig ditches, or, you know, put roofs on houses, I really didn't have a whole lot of other options. Right? Like I said, it was a it was a risk. But as far as I was concerned, it wasn't a big risk it was to them they didn't i don't i i don't think I, I could be wrong but like they were just smart enough and secure in their life and in their per- personalities enough to know that they'd, skateboarding wasn't their only option yeah maybe and, that's good at it too is cuz they just yeah it was all love it was all passion yeah. there yeah. was never any there was never any hurry or or rush to make it their living right it was, and that's why I think that's why it was so. And I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but that's why it came so easy to him. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Do you, I remember those? Like we'd have skateboard sessions, like out in front of when Alex uh, uh, Sespin has lived behind yeah. you. Yeah. And we, I was at his house all the time, and we yeah. would all meet meet up in front of your house with Josh yeah. and Dylan. Yeah. And go and go down to the like the shopping center and skate but it was just so effortless man it was so beautiful it was watching, art, yeah art. Wa- it was watching those guys do what they did is a beautiful thing whether you're into skateboarding or not because you don't you don't get to see people do things on that level very often and
2: it's so amazing to see people do something so effortlessly when like when you and I would watch them you would agree that it was beautiful and effortlessly and we were in awe, right?
1: Yeah, because we knew how difficult what they were doing was, but it looked so easy. That's how I feel when I watch you play guitar. Thank you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think most people would. I, I, I it's, it's just weird how it, it works like that. You know, we can describe, we can see, I had this theory too. Like, you know, when you think about people, if you see something in somebody that bothers you that's because that quality that bothers you in somebody is something you have
0: in yourself, yeah,
2: yeah. or or vice versa. If you see something beautiful or poetic that's beautiful in someone else, isn't it? It's a quality you have in yourself. You're
1: seeing yourself in the other people. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, I guess we're getting into into more of the like the the uh, the deeper end, and yeah. and that's good. That's good because getting back again to the questions you were asking me before right. about how, how I got to where I'm at. Um, like, I feel like I'm just getting started because I'm getting to the realization of what you're talking about when it comes to the the, the spiritual side of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't come from the best home. I didn't have, you know, and I, I hate to, I'm not putting anybody on blast, but like, I didn't have the best parenting. You know, I, I was, in a lot of ways, I was on my own by the time I was seven or eight years old. You know, I was coming, I was coming home to an empty house and cooking my own food. And, you know, I, I, I was just independent because I had to be like, that's just how it worked out. Um, and we didn't have a lot of means. So I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get to go to, to do things that a lot of the other kids got to go and do. I was stuck at home and just kind of making my own way. Um, so when I was, you know, in my Late teens, and I started. Be, I started to realize, like, I could, I could make a, I could make my own way without needing, you know, anybody's financial backing. You know, I've been really lucky. Like, my, my parents haven't really had to support me. They right. helped me out. They've helped me out here and there. But like, I've I, I know of people with real, so-called real jobs, that have needed way more help than I I have. Like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty lucky that way. But my point, my point is not that I did it. My point is that I got, I got turned on very early to the educational part of the spiritual part Mm. and knowing that um, there were a lot of scars in, in like, I guess these days we call it PTSD of, of the childhood that were were showing signs, and it, it was it was already happening in high school, where um, the signs were becoming apparent, even to me as a teenager, that if I didn't get help or start helping myself, that end of things was going to prohibit the the it was going it was going to cancel out the talent end of things. Right. You know what I mean? Like exactly what you mean. I could have all the talent in the world, but if the the mental, emotional, spiritual part of stuff didn't get some work and some help, it was going to sink the ship. Because you, know, you can't you can't be successful in anything if you're unhealthy, you know, emotionally or spiritually. Yeah, and I started to realize that I was. You know,
2: in some ways, it seems to me that some of the people we think are the least fortunate actually have the most opportunity. Let me try to unpack that. Like when you when you're seven wow. coming home by yourself and you're you know your your father had an accident. In a weird way life taught you at an early age that you're gonna need to make it on your own.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And and luckily you were mentally capable of understanding the lesson life was trying to teach. You know what I mean by that? Like, some people feel like they're abandoned. You may have felt like that, but ultimately, if you didn't grow up like that, you might be right you might be right that, that, hey, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get here. Hey, it's okay to be with me, but I've been doing it on my own since that. Well, some people that have a good some people that, they they, they're, they're never but They don't get to go and be on their own until they're, they or Right. You know? and, and, you know, by that time, you are 13 years ahead of them with independent
1: understanding the law of the jungle. Yeah. Um, and you know, you say like mentally, I understood that. And I don't know that I did mentally. I, it's almost like that same, that same part of me that writes songs where you're just compelled to do it. Mm -hmm. It's not even a mental thing that you think about. You just know that this is something you need to address or something you need to do or something you need to put work into. Um, And this is where I hope your I hope your father's listening because because he was a big part of that because because his his presence at the time that it was in my life was really a crucial crossroads. And in fact, um, I don't know if you probably don't know this. And man, if I get emotional, I apologize. But uh, he actually sat my mom down. And and talked to her, because she was our team mom at the time that transition and that accident happened. I don't know if you remember that. No, I I don't. And and she told me later that George Monty sat me down, and and talked me through the the conflict that she had because she had an obligation to me and to you and to all our friends in the in in she was dealing with my dad. Yeah. man. So that's, that's, you know, the older in in the wiser I get the bigger of a deal. I realized that that was like that's I don't even know how how deep they went in the conversation or what was said. But it was enough that she told me about it. Yeah. And and I know that it's enough, whether it was 10 seconds or 10 minutes or a couple hours that without it, things might have been different. You know, because like, I didn't I didn't have to quit baseball. When everything happened, like, luckily, my fa- my other, you know, family members stepped in, make sure I got where I needed to go. And if and if I couldn't be there or my mom couldn't be there your dad knew what was up and understood right like that's that's a huge thing
2: do you know my dad's gonna call me and be like see george i told you do you know how lucky (laughs) you are george (laughs) endure like a 30 minute phone call of like
1: (laughs) friends respectful george you know what i mean yeah well thank yeah i mean there are there are moments like that and they're just moments and you don't if you're not paying attention you don't realize that they could be pivotal major you know moments where be, we be, everything happens for a reason i think yeah everything everything happens for a reason but you also have the ability to make things happen or to to dictate where things go but there's also moments in time where opportunities present themselves for you to make those choices. And that's, that's one of them. Yeah. Like, you know, your dad, your dad was a really big role model during that year, whether he knew it or not, you know, for me, that's heavy.
2: Dude, that it's, that's, it's mind blowing. I, I, I was lucky in that my parents got divorced when I was younger, but they both were such, they both went out of their ways to to help create an awesome life. My mom got remarried, and she married this guy that was he was equally impressive and, and had so much stuff. But my my dad he was a he was always the coach. And mm-hmm. realize this until you become older. But like he gave up. Like we we had a lot of financial problems as well. But my dad made sure that he was at every practice. He was the coach, and I. Like, I have so many friends that have, I remember being little and my friends were like, your dad's so awesome, George. Your dad's so awesome. And it, it, it's, and you're going to make me cry. But when you tell me that, story, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that is awesome. And I, I love him. And I, I didn't know that he did that for you or your family.
1: And I'm thankful to hear that. That's cool. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny. Like, I, I had for, I hadn't remembered that or thought about that until like I think last night when you when you when, when we finally set a time and said right. all right we're doing you know we've been talking about this for like a month or two right but last night we were like let's just let's do it tomorrow we're doing it yeah and then I started thinking like last night I had that thought wow like not like I remember us we would hang out in high school with our circle of friends like every morning we'd meet up and we'd all have breakfast together yep. Yeah. Like there was a, there was like a third period break where we would all hang out and have breakfast. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And we were like, we were, thought we were cool. Like old people drinking coffee. And and like, (laughs) there was like, there was like a good 10 or 12 of us every morning. We'd hang out and meet up for breakfast. Yeah. And that's the memory that like I have when I see your name on Facebook or whatever, or you message me or I message you. That's like the the obvious memory. Yeah. And then last night. I thought about it. I was like, wow, like, wait a minute. Not only do I remember George from high school, like you're one of my oldest friends. Like we go way, we go way further back. We go back like first or second grade, I think. Right. Like, and then I thought, wow, wait, 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 we played baseball. Not, I mean, we all, all our friends played baseball together and we were on the same team. And then I realized like, wait a minute, your dad was our coach. And then like all, all of this hit me last night. Yeah. Including including the, the story about him and my mom. Yeah. Like I don't know if you remember, but like I was I I was the only kid, I think, whose parents were still together and still alive, but only one of my parents ever came to my baseball games. And people don't know why. Right. That's why. Because yeah. my dad was my dad was in, in a, either in a hospital or in a rehab you know that's why at that time there were right. other times when he wasn't there and that was a whole different thing because he was you know he was also an alcoholic so right you know but but my mom was always there always yeah. you know and and me yeah. and my dad are cool like we've we've i the work that i put in allowed and he's put in work too like for sure but for me the i had to put in my own work to make peace with him, yeah, of course. Because he—he's a dad. Like, even at his worst, he—even if he didn't know how to show it, he still loved me. Sure. Teenage me, I couldn't say that about him. I couldn't say that I loved him, and I didn't. I never. We—we I, we were not that type of family anyway. Right. We never said I loved you. We never hugged. Right. We never did any of that stuff. But I, it, I. And and I'm not proud of this, but like, I was well into my 20s before I ever said I love you to my dad. So what we're talking about now in the past, I'm not here to like, you know, point the finger or anything. It's it's the truth. Yeah. You know, that's all it is. But I have to point those things out so that hopefully, I have to point those things out so that hopefully through talking to friends like you or people that need to hear these things that maybe I have something, you know, to offer them that might help them get through their stuff. Yeah. You know, again, again, going full circle talking about how we got to this point where I'm living the life that I want to live. And I, you know, telling you that I had to get through certain things that I started learning in my teenage years, Um, And now that's my life. My life is, is not music. Music is something I do. But my life is making life better for me and the people around me. Like, my goal now, I have music goals still. Like, I haven't accomplished everything I want to accomplish. But, like, my goal now is to do my best that every person that I make eye contact with open a door for it at the grocery store or hang out with like somehow I want to make everybody's life a little easier or better at the moment that I'm in in their vicinity that's beautiful like I like think that's a better world is you the only way to make the
2: world better is to make everyone around you better
1: that's that's the yeah. goal yeah and, and 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 what you said about basically being a mirror which we all are yeah that's that's what we all are um that's, that's, that's my like, that's where I'm putting more of my work. My work is on, on being that person, you know, I still spend plenty of hours, you know, making music and practicing and writing and recording, but I spend as many or more on on the other stuff. You know,
2: you know, it's, it it blows my mind as I'm sitting here and we're having this conversation and previously we had talked about, you know, what you used to do as far as going out and traveling and then and the COVID kind of hit and then picking up this new style of music. It's organic and, and you're changing. And then, you know, with the last piece you just told me about your philosophy of, of making the world better, it seems like that's the direction your music is going in. You know, just Because if, if that's your thought process about doing that, that's probably going to be reflected in the upcoming
1: music. That makes me
2: excited to kind of hear it.
1: Yeah, uh, you know I I've, I've always had it in there in the music. It's it's been there all along. But I I I feel like I'm uh, I'm consciously being less guarded with how I wrap it in the poetry. That's beautiful. You know cuz po- you can hide things in poetry. You can say some really heavy stuff knowing that it's wrapped in this this wording that it's it's, it's so not obvious that I don't have to be as self-conscious about putting it out there kind of, kind of hiding behind it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and one of the, the only, the only thing I always said was if I'm in a, if I'm going to express a concern or a complaint in a song, there's going to be a resolution in the song somewhere. Wow. That is, be- that is awesome. So, so, cause I, I don't ever want to be a complainer about anything. Right. You know? And I don't ever want to be a, uh, naysayer or, or feel like, you know, we're doomed. Yeah, with, what, with whatever the situation or uh, whatever the the, you know, I don't know what the I'm, I'm lost for words, but whatever the topic is, I don't want to just complain or write it off and then not <laughs> offer a solution. So even in the older material, there's always a solution. There's always some kind of resolution. But yeah, I think the new songs are a little more obvious as far as what I'm, what I'm trying to convey. Right. A, less, less poetry in the turning of phrases and more poetry in saying plainly, but musically what I wanna say.
2: Yeah, it's such a powerful medium. And, and you know, when I think about communicating and I think about language, you know, so many of us, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, so many of us, instead of listening to what someone says, we're thinking of what to say while the other person is talking. You're right. And you lose so much connection. You lose so much humanity. You lose so much potential to solve problems when you don't give the conversation the the attention that it needs. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's, it's like a dance. It's like, okay, this person goes and this
1: person goes, and they can move together. And... Here, here's one for you, like getting away from music to explain the music. Uh, what, talking about people you've been reading, uh, one of the people I've been reading and listening to is uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're familiar with him. But he's done uh, a lot of work on the, the, the electrical system, and the mind and body connection, and understanding that if you correlate us to like a computer, um, our systems can can and are constantly being programmed by our environment, our thoughts, our brain. Like our brain is not us, right? It's it's this other thing that that we can choose to be controlled by or control. So there's. And, and there's sci- Joe Dispenza is, is the guy that's on the forefront of putting science to the theories. So he's 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 showing through science that the mind-body-soul connection is absolutely true. The things you say have chemical and electrical effects on your body immediately. Um, and music being one of those. So we know that our cells and our... Atoms and neural. Everything is constantly in in motion and in regeneration. You're not the same person you were yesterday or the day before, literally and figuratively, right? So, your your programming comes from like you have your physical voice. You have that voice in your head. It's usually the one that's like very very self conscious. Then you have that other voice that's like, I know that's not true, even though I think it. You have like multiple voices and you have multiple consciousness, you know, levels of consciousness. And so what he's been doing is putting scientific proof to all those things. So, so we know that me having this conversation with you is going to make my day better than if I had this conversation with somebody where we were talking about things we didn't like, right, right. or didn't believe it. Right. Even if even if we weren't angry or upset, we were just talking about things we don't like. Yeah. Our day is not our the rest of our day is not gonna be as good as if you and I are talking about the good old days. Yeah. Or talking about health and healing. Yeah. You know, like and it and it might be on a minute level that you don't consciously recognize. You might just think, Oh, that's just you know what that's that it's out there, it's BS or whatever. Like but it's there, it's real. And so if, if, you're not, if you're not feeling it, and you're not recognizing it, then maybe you're not doing it enough. So if you want people to recognize it and you want people to understand it, then you've got to do it more and you've got to do it all the time. And so I have to do it through my art as well as through my conversation or in my interactions with people. You know, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not great at it. I don't, I don't nail it every day. Some days I make people's days worse and I'm sorry, (laughs) but like, I don't try to. Right. You know? Right. And so the, 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 the upside for me is that music, I I'm lucky to have an audience and I'm really lucky to have a a pretty good, good size audience. Um, like I, I, I've sold records from Japan to Australia to the UK, like all over, like I'm really lucky, but, I feel like maybe on some level, even though the music has always been honest and from the heart and totally me. I feel like now I'm learning that I there's still a lot more to give. Not just more, not just more music, but more intent in the music. Yeah, like more, more substance, you know, and so. I'm, I'm way more conscious of it today than I was yesterday, and I'll be more conscious of it tomorrow. So, and it's not music necessarily with a message, or I'm not preaching to anybody. I'm just trying to relate to people. You know, if the music is the food, it's getting more and more potent with nutrients and micronutrients and vitamins and minerals, right? You know, so that every bite doesn't have to be bigger for you to get more from it. Right. You can take take the same size bites, and you're gonna you're gonna feel better and better, hopefully, or relate more on a deeper level with with what you're getting. So you're getting, you know, you, hopefully you're getting more for your more for your dollar, you know, in that <laughs> in that way. Um, but uh, yeah, man, like j- again, just trying to answer your question and like come full circle with with these long answers. But that's that's my goal, you know. Um, the The music is. Is, is is my voice I'm, and I'm lucky that I, I love to do it and that I have an audience. So thank you for, for giving me another one. Man, I, I'm learning a
2: lot and I, you know, it's, that is, it's, it's truly amazing to think about language that way. I've, I've been sharing some ideas about language and it's, it's okay, so when, when I think about language, and music and communicating. One part I don't like about language is like user agreements and contracts and like ambiguous language that pretends to get you out, of stuff. but you know, like you get insurance. Like they have all these things. we are gonna protect you from all this stuff unless there's an act of God. There's always right. like weird words and all these words to wiggle your way out of stuff. And wouldn't it be a better world if user agreements and contracts were written in poetry or in song. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to sing the user agreement, you would have to f- make a structure so that it flowed together. You know what I mean? Like the word well,
1: place. well if, if nothing else, people would actually read them. Oh. You know, right? Like, how, how many of us are just like, we don't have time for this. This is ridiculous. And it's, the, the print is too small anyway. You know, so at least people would at least probably give them more attention. Could you... Um, Agreements.
2: if you if someone if you had an artist perform the user agreement for Google or Facebook hey this is our new you people would tune in to listen to the user agreement you know what I mean you, could, you, could...
1: <laughs> you know it's funny is i uh, yesterday evening we're sitting on the beach in Morro Bay in California and I'm sitting there picking my guitar and this guy comes up and he goes hey can I join you and that's always like a sketchy situation yeah. You're like you know I don't know if it's like drunk homeless harmonica guy or <laughs> like and that's cool too it's it's always entertaining but like you never know what you're getting into and so the guy sits down and we play and he's pretty good and we're hanging out and he turns out to be a super cool dude and um but just to connect it to what you're talking about he he works for snapchat <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe we could get your idea like bring it to to, to life dude I, i'm telling you t-
2: talk to that guy make okay. And, and dude you guys will be famous you know what i mean yeah you'll, you'll be playing parties you like and think about it like if you could make this part of life that no one likes into something that people do like you now you're really making the world a better place you've taken something <laughs> high and weak and no one reads and not only would it make it more interesting but you would probably make it better because if you could put some sarcastic lyrics into, so, gotta sign this thing, sign your life away, or however you would word it. You know what I mean? And then that would make people actually think about what they're signing. Or you know, you could you could fundamentally change the way people see contracts by changing the way in which they were they were uh, played.
1: Not right. You know what I mean? Like perceived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, that guy make that happen. <laughs> yeah. We should start a band called The Contracts. <laughs> and uh, we'll make an album called User Agreements. You would start your, like there's country music, rap music, and
2: then there's, there's uh, contract music. <laughs> there you go. Our own genre. The own genre. Yeah, that'd be you awesome. Know, it's on a, on a related story. I saw, I saw, I listened to Ice-T a while back. And uh, that guy is so, I really like that guy. He he made this what seemed like an outrageous claim. So I'll say the claim, and then I'll tell you how he explained it. Because the claim, on its face, sounds crazy. But he says, you know, rap music and country music, and this goes back to what you said about folk music. He goes, he's like, hardcore rap music and country music are like the exact same thing. Yeah. You know, and I've was, heard that. I've heard that quote. Yeah, and you're like, what are you talking about? And he's like, listen, man, they're talking about their dogs, they're talking about their trucks, you know. And I was like. When you when you step back and you look at it, both genres of music are talking about their love, their life, their, their the things in there. What you know, what you have, where you're at, the place to be. Like it's the same substance,
1: but just in a different dialogue. If that kind of makes sense. You know, it's hilarious. Is I just like, within the last month, read a quote from Bob Dylan, or no, no. I I think I saw an interview with him, and you know he was always heralded as the voice of his generation, right. And they asked him, well, like, you're still here, but is there an is there a new you? And <laughs> you know what he said, you know, he, he said something like it, it was somebody it was like, yeah, it's like the guys in the Wu-Tang Clan or like, he named he named some hip hop artists, but he named like the real the real shit, not like, okay. you know, it, it wasn't like, I don't know, whoever's on the radio or whatever, like. He went deep and he knew what he was talking about. And He's like, that's 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 the new me. He's like it's not it's not an, another kid with a guitar and a harmonica. It's those dudes.
2: It's, it's so true. I mean, it's, that's someone who's an artist who can see himself in another artist, you know?
1: Yeah. And that's that's an, like an 83-year-old man. That's that's in tune with what's happening. That's cool. Like that that interview should be be played all over TV. Like we need more of that
2: right now. Like here's this old guy that is an artist in one way and he's saying, Hey, here's these other guys. Like that that's the wisdom of our fathers that we're missing in the community. That is. I, I like that interview. I'm going to have to look that
1: up. Thanks for sharing that. Well, and, and Dylan just released an album like two weeks ago. That's great. He's still, really? he's still that good. So he's not out of touch or he's not like over the hill or like any of that stuff. and, and now that I think about it, he wrote a memoir uh, called, I think, The Chronicles. Okay. And actually, he may have written what I just told you in that book. It might, not, it might not have been from a live interview. So it might actually be in print in that book. So I'd recommend reading it. Yeah. I'm going to write it down. Yeah. There's, there's tons of cool stuff out there that, um, that helps, you know, helps me kind of direct whatever course I'm on. Whether, yeah. it's music, whether it's musical or not, it still helps the music, you know? Absolutely. I, I, that's one of the things that I try to, I try to make everything count. Like even if I, if I go, if I go run 10 miles in the mountains, which is something I love to do, I love, love to trail run. So, I'll, you know, um, if I go do that, it's not just because I want to look better or get skinnier or th- that running helps, Maybe the better person that helps me make the music. Like it's all connected. Right. And I do that with the conscious purpose of, of it. It has to, for me, it has to cover all those bases or it's not worth doing. You know, so it's, I could be doing something better with my time. Yeah. So like, if I go, like, I'm probably going to do it after this. I'm probably going to go eat and then I'm going to go, probably go skateboard somewhere. Nice. My skateboarding has intention that it's, it's, adding to, I need that to get to where I need to be here or in the heart or wherever. So that I treat my girlfriend better, or that I, I write a a good song or, or I make a stranger's day better. Like, I don't do it. I don't do anything just to do it. I just make what I do count and have substance, especially skateboarding. Because like, as a kid, we were told how we shouldn't do it, how it was a waste of time. Like, Right, you know, my, m- m- like my skateboards would disappear from the house because they didn't want me doing it. Right. At least my at least my dad didn't. My mom was cool. But they did. My, my mom understood that it was part of the whole. You mm-hmm. know, it, it, I wasn't outbreak. Even even when I got arrested for doing it, I, <laughs> I didn't get in trouble from her. I, I carried that with me where I'm not going to waste my time doing things that don't make the whole better or more productive. Even if somebody thinks that what I'm doing is silly.
2: Yeah. You know? it. it, it <clears throat> I think it's a great philosophy to live your life by. And I think it drives home the point what you do sometimes, you do all the time. And one thing that I, one way I have seen the exact same thing in my life is that, like, in my work, if like, there's a lot of guys, like, I care about everybody there. Even the people that I fight with. Like, I care about them. I want them to be better. And there's some people that take a... Sometimes in life, there's a lot of argumentation. And what I try to tell people, you know, let's say you're at work and you you get into an argument. You got to remember that the purpose... You know, what's the purpose of an argument? The purpose of an argument is to solve the problem. You know, we're so worried about being wrong. You don't want to get in trouble. You don't want to lose. No one wants to. Be wrong. You develop strategies to win. Arguments. And getting to solving the problem, there's winning the argument. So if you get really good at winning the argument, all of a sudden you're not at work anymore. And you're at home. How do you develop strategies? Your family, your wife, your kids, your friends. Right. You're distancing yourself from solving problems. You know. So I, I would agree that you should have intent and try to be mindful on your daily routine what you're doing that's perfect and then it is part of the whole
1: yeah i was reading a book last night but are you familiar with wayne dyer yeah yeah i am He, he he was there in hawaii until he passed away but um i read basically what you just said like you you need to disassociate or detach yourself from the need to be right if you want to connect with the source yeah you know yeah that's a phenomenal point it's it's impossible to 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 get to that point where you feel centered and present if you have attachments to things like being right yeah that's a, the fundamental tenet of buddhism is attachment right like you right but that's one of the things like that's one of the things i picked up like i said when i started this as a teenager was i would just grab books on all this stuff that i could find yeah and it start it started with like you know, the Tao and Buddhism and, and Eastern philosophy. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's not to say those are the answers, but everybody needs to start somewhere. And, and the answer is not one thing or from one source. It's from all the sources that you can absorb and and kind of mold in your being and then put back out into the world. So if one doesn't work, try another one. You know, if, if one doesn't resonate with you, try another one. And what, what I found is once I found one, I would find the next one yeah. and then I'd find the next one. Yeah. And then sometimes, sometimes the next one was one that I, I tried years ago and rode off as not the one. So and true. all I, all, <laughs> all that really happened was I realized at the time that I found it originally, I just wasn't ready for it. Yeah. So you just, you just find your way in, you find that first step and then you just keep taking steps. Yeah. That's you know, poetry in motion, man. It, yeah, I, I hope so. I like, it's it works for me, and it it works for I see it work for the people around me in the sense that when I'm present and focused and aware, my relationships with the people around me on any given day are better. You know, yeah, the people the people around me are in better moods. They're they're more carefree, they're more focused, you know, and it's, it's not because I made them that way. It's just, I didn't, I know that I didn't, I I did my part to not detract from their presence or their energy. Yeah. You know, I can't give anybody my energy, but I can certainly take from theirs. Great. That's easy to do. You know, just going, just going to work in a shitty mood. Yeah. And you can, the whole room, you can just suck the energy right out of a room. Easy. Yeah. But try to make one person's day better. It's a little more complicated. Right. But way more rewarding. <laughs> way more rewarding and, and way more um, addictive. Yeah. Or, way, or maybe, maybe not addictive. Uh, way more, um, oh, what's the word? Uh, I'm looking for the word where like, it, it, you know, it becomes a domino effect. Like you, you reach that one person and they reach somebody and it multiplies.
2: Exponential. I think.
1: There you go. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Like it, it becomes exponential and it's because you're doing it together with right. the other people. It's right. not, it, it can't be one person, you know, one person can ruin it, but one person can't fix it. Yeah. But they can fix themselves. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what, that's what has to happen. You know, um, like, you know, people are are really vulnerable and very concerned and on edge right now with the way that like the world is. Yeah, but it really the world hasn't changed all that much.
2: <laughs> Only like,
1: me. yeah, like the 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 current events of the day are no more or less intense or scary than they were all along, right? Like, I I still like, I still feel. In my, it, it, when I close my eyes, if I don't look in a mirror or look at myself on the, on the camera staring back at me right now, I still think I'm like 17 years old. My body feels better than it did when I was 17. Even though I was a, an athlete as a kid, and in good shape, I'm way healthier now and in way better shape. And when I go ride my skateboard, I have way less aches and pains. I have none. I have none anymore. <laughs> I have better range of, like everything about me feels better and younger at 44 than it did at 17, including my, my mental state, emotional state. But I guess the point is with regards to what we're talking about is that is there for everybody. Like the source, the creator, the creation, whatever this life is, all of that is available to all of us all the time. And there's always more it's an infinite source. And when we look at like things that are going on in the world, whether whatever side of the coin you're on, or if there's many sides, none of it matters. None of it. And it's always been there. Think of all the, the, the moments like our, our parents grew up with, you know, the Vietnam war and JFK and Martin Luther, Martin Luther King. We've grown up with just as many or more major current events than they did in a shorter time. Yeah. We've got, we've lived through some shit. Yeah, a lot. Like, so what's going on now is, is, it's only different, but it's all been, it's been there all along. So there's no, for me, there's no excuse to not continue the work to make myself better so that I can make somebody else's day better. Because now's a perfect, now's a perfect time to say, screw it and just go hide in the cave. <laughs> and and most people would go would would understand and say, "You know what? I get it. I would I'll do I would do that too if I could." Right? So if you look at it, you know, objectively, you just you realize like for me that's not an option. That's not an excuse. Because nothing's really changed. It really hasn't. You know, it's just there's there's just different faces to the problems. And and, and I don't know, this is one of those intuitive things, but as a kid, like, I always knew, like, it, the answer wasn't in religion, it wasn't in politics, it wasn't in any of that stuff that we as, as humans, that stuff's all fake. We created that stuff. It's real to people, and I respect that. But in the grand scheme of things, when this earth and us and animals and ecosystems were created, those things weren't. Those were created by us. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. So, so to get involved in those things and choose sides is really unhealthy. The answers don't lie there. To me, the answers lie in, you know, making your day better if I can. Going to the grocery store and maybe opening a door for somebody. Like yeah. something as simple as that, like I don't have to give I don't have to give a, a homeless person money to make their day better, you know and and, I, and, and if I have some, maybe I'll give it to them. It, most cases, I probably don't, and I'm not lying to them when I tell them I don't yeah but I can still make their day at least a little better yeah and and people that live in, in you know a neighborhood with neighbors on both sides of them which I, you know, I don't live like, I don't live like that, but people that do and most people do just think about how disconnected most people are from their neighbors. Yeah. I know that they are because when I go to visit friends or family that have that lifestyle, they've lived next, you know, they've lived next, to, door, next door to the same people for years or decades and they don't know anything about them. that's tragic. Yeah. So like, how, how is that? How is that issue not more important than a political issue that involves a few chosen people in a different world that don't listen to us anyway, right? Like, we would be way more effective, in my opinion, as a society, if we just treated everybody that we come in contact with better, right? So, you know, none of what's going on outside of 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 my bubble it doesn't affect me until it affects me and so worrying about it puts puts uh, puts the concept of time to it Mm. which puts it which puts it basically in the future which means i you know stress comes from worrying about the future right if i just sit here now with you and look around what there's no worries there's no there's no stress there's no sickness you know And if I think if if we go back and talk about the past in the context that you and I are talking about it, that's one thing. But if I go back to the past and all I do is think about it in the sense of remembering those emotions and those feelings from from growing up at that time in those circumstances, then I'd be really miserable right now. Yeah. You know time time goes with religion and politics for me it's made up it's not real right you know months weeks days of the, you know days of the month that's not real there's not there's not a calendar on the sun or the moon that was created with us that was our doing and so that that concept of time is unhealthy for me you know if if it's if it if, if it's something that other people need or crave or whatever. That's cool. Like I can still be their friend. If somebody is a, as a political supporter on, on any side and I don't associate or agree or any, or whatever, or even if I disagree with them, I can still be their friend. I can still make their day better. Right. I can still be a source of something productive or um, you know, I nutritious, you know, right. to their life. Right. So I guess, you know, that's, that's my focus right now in life. And, and, and I, I foresee it being only, I, I foresee that only becoming more important to me. And, and, you know, and if I can help somebody along the way, then, then, it, you know, I, I feel like I'm doing something I'm, I'm doing something right because I feel that I am not because there's a scoreboard somewhere, you know? Yeah. I,
2: I heard a um, story one time about, uh, gosh, this was the, uh, I forgot his name. He's like the winningest basketball coach of all time in college. John Wooden. John Wooden. Okay. So I played,
1: I played basketball. So I learned my history about that too.
2: (laughs) Okay. So, um,
1: John Wooden, you know
2: he he I read his biography, and in his biography he says, they talk about winning and life and so, and they they asked John Wooden like what what is it? like, what do you teach these kids you've You've won you know eleven out of thirteen, seven in a row. The next closest person has won like three or four. what what is it? And he He gave the speech, and what he says is it's here's what I tell the kids. There's a real simple thing I want all you kids to know at the end of the day. Only you will truly know whether you won or lost out there. It won't right. be based on the points on the board. Because you can go out there and you can play the best game of your life, you know, and if, if you have less points on the scoreboard but you gave your all, then you get to walk away the winner because you got a yep. out of yourself, you know. And on the flip side of that, if you go out there and you just kind of lollygag and you don't play your best and you still win, well, then you're a loser. You know what yeah. I mean? You you gave up. You you didn't get out of yourself. You you failed to get out of yourself. And then the hook was, what in life? What you give, you get to keep. But what you fail to give, you lose.
1: Forever. Yep.
2: You know. It's yeah. Just, it's profound, man.
1: Yeah. And it, go back to your old man. Like he was one of the few that didn't. Um, it wasn't a big deal how good we were, right? Like it didn't matter if we were good baseball players or a good baseball player, uh, a good baseball team, if we won or lost. He treated us with respect and care no matter what. And he and and I played baseball from from t-ball, like four years old, all the way up to high school. And your dad and one other coach, I those are the only two I can say that about. Out of, you know, what, a, right. between coaches and assistant coaches? Right. 15, 15, 20 dudes? Easy. There were plenty of episodes where you saw parents and coaches cursing and throwing fits in front of the kids and the parents. Yeah. Or, a lot. Do you, ever, do you ever remember seeing kids get pulled off the field by their angry parents because they hated the coach? Yep. during During games? Yeah, yep. I remember. In front of everybody? In the, yep. in the shame that those kids had to go through? Yep, and they were good kids. Yeah. They didn't, you know, and their and their parents were just so misguided. So right. yeah, credit credit again, to your old man. Yeah, he really preached mental toughness. You know, he all the time was like, listen,
2: you can't. He's a, it's all in here, George. You know, what you put in, what you put in life, you're gonna get out of it. Mm-hmm. You, whatever it is you do, do it your style. Don't yep. worry about that stuff. And you, he's like, you can't lose. All you can do is get better. You know, right. you know the, the, the goal of life is to be defeated by ever bigger things. Right. But yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting relationship. And I, you know, as, as two young men having similar, you know, having similar things. I think all young men, you get to a point where you have to fight your dad. Not physically, mm-hmm. but you have to mentally. Like, that's why you challenge your dad. That's why you're, you don't, right. want, why you hate him. Like, you, you get to this point where you got to beat him. So that, and when you get older, you learn that you were fighting, but your dad was never. Fighting. You know what I no.
1: mean?
2: He was right. Just gonna teach you, and like. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. So because you don't realize till you get older, and hopefully your parents are still around when you get older, and then you can actually get to meet your parents on a level that is not,
1: you they're, know, father son. They're, a, they're just people. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like. Like I said earlier. Like. I, you know if you want to talk on a parenting level at a childhood level, I don't have a lot of nice things to say, but, but having made peace and, and getting to where I am now, like the things that I've learned about how, how my parents grew up, especially right. my dad, yeah, he had it way worse than he ever gave it to me. Yeah. And right. I got it pretty bad. Right. And so now that we're cool, we're like, we're buddies. Like I love him. He's awesome. Um, but, like, now, like, the things he, he – like, here's one before I say this. Here's, here's something I'll, I'll put out there, and I hope not to – if he's watching, I hope not to embarrass him. But he grew up as an alcoholic. I mean, and he, 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 he has admitted to me, like, he was already full-blown, you know, when we were in, like, sixth, seventh grade, and we were skateboarding, and we, we were probably doing some stuff that adults do, right? I mean, I was. Guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. But, but we, we at least me, I know some of our friends aren't weren't so lucky, but I never had a, a problem with it. I never right. got in trouble for it. Right. It was something, I, it was fun. I know that my old man, by the time he was in seventh grade, or somewhere in that age, like 11, 12 years old, was right. already a full-blown alcoholic, like a habitual alcoholic. So I also know now that they say that, People that live through alcoholism, <laughs> um, it, kind of, it kind of stunts their growth. Mm, it's true. So if you're an alcoholic by 12, 13 years old and you're 50 years old or 60 years old, on some or many levels, you're still only 12 or 13 years old. Yeah. So when I say my dad in some ways is still like a 12 or 13 year old at like 64, 65 years old, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. What I'm saying is I've gotten to the point where I can recognize and have empathy and also relate to him because we've gotten past the problem stage. He's sober. And so we, we can actually communicate. And we never could communicate when I was younger because we were fighting, right? right? You know, so what you're saying about like, you know, fighting your parents and, and going through that whole thing everybody pretty much does you have to I know now I know now that well I know now that you you actually don't have to but you but chances are you're probably going to right right unless unless you're lucky enough to find the path that you know I started finding it when I was like 16 seventeen and I'm still learning how to follow it and stay on it so it's not a overnight thing for me it was not overnight it wasn't easy but there's some people out there that They might find it when they're eight or nine years old and they might never have to veer off of it and God bless them. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're one of the people that, that doesn't find it early or you find it early and you feel like, you feel like you found it and we're on it and you failed, get back on it. It's it's don't, if you find that you fail, you're not a failure. Yeah. So, you know, there was a point where I went from being like, a young happy talkative kid to somebody that didn't like people and wouldn't talk to anybody for a long time. And so I'm, I feel like I'm getting back to being that kid where I'm every, I can be anybody and everybody's friend. Right. And somewhere in those high school years and all through, you know, through a good portion of my early twenties and thirties, that wasn't true anymore. Even as a, a, A person in the public eye of some sort as a musician, I was, I was never dishonest on stage or in my music. But I also didn't give any more than I had to when I when it came time to get off stage and and interact with people. You know, I I really shortchanged a lot of people on a level where I wasn't mean or, you know, rude or any, maybe to some people they thought I was, but I was really just not connecting and not, you know, making, um, not making that, that personal contact with people. Right. And, and, and that was just, that was just, you know, the scars or the, the pre-programming that happened that as I figured it out, I started to address it. And now I'm getting back to where I like, I can just walk up to any old stranger and, and, and make conversation and not feel weird. Right. To, and feel, and feel like th- even after spending just 30 seconds with somebody, fe- like being able to sense who they are and, and, and I can call them a friend. Yeah. Even if I don't ever talk to them again, you know? Um, so like coming to, to come full circle with the interview and talking with you. Yeah. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to be my five-year-old self with regards to like how I handle the world around me and the people around me. Cause when I was that age, you know, I used to get in trouble in school for being too friendly and talking too much. Whereas later in, in my, in my school years, I used to get in trouble for not engaging enough and not interacting enough and not participating. Right. Because a lot of that was just like, you know. It was beaten out of me in, in one way or another. Yeah. Whether it, was, whether it was verbally or physically or whatever, like it was just, it was just, you know, it, it got to the point where I, I was starting to break. Yeah. And luck, luckily, I don't think I ever fully broke, but I got close enough and, and my mom recognized it soon enough that I was able to, you know, because intuitively we all know if, if we're not giving our best, we all know. Sure. If, if we are not truly happy. Right. We all know. Yeah. That's why, that's why people turn to drugs and alcohol. And, and the people that are on it talk all that noise about, oh, you're just a square. You're not, you're not having fun. They know the truth. Right. They know that they're doing it because they're not having fun. To put it plain and simple, I'm trying to be my five year old self and be childlike at 44 where I want to be a, a shining light to, to people I know and love and to strangers. And that's it. It's simple. It's once you figure it out, you realize how simple it was and how it was only difficult to get there. Cause I made it difficult.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah. It
1: seems like on some level
2: you have to be broken so you can be, be built. The yeah. Right, and know.
1: And the trick is to, you know, one of the things I had to learn was forgiveness and one of the things I didn't know that I had to learn was forgiving myself. Wow. Because at the time I was like, I have every right to be angry. I didn't do anything wrong and I was right. But all that anger only hurt me. It didn't hurt anybody else. Yeah. You know, unless, unless I acted on it, then it did. Yeah. It's like,
2: what do they say about like anger? It's like swallowing a poison pill. Like you, you, you're gonna take the poison when you want to hurt somebody else. I forgot how the quote goes. It's
1: way more elegant. Yeah, there's a comedian. <laughs> there's a comedian that made good light of it too. That's hilarious. And I'll try to find that and send it to you. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah. So I feel like we could we could do a few versions or a few volumes of these. Yeah. And- absolutely. Absolutely. Next, maybe uh, at some point in time, we'll have you bring your guitar down and you can bang out a song or something. Yeah. Um, I, I, my battery's about to die, so I don't even think I'll have time to do that now, but let's do some more if, if people are, absolutely if people are digging it. Yeah. You know what, man? I love
2: you, buddy. It's super awesome to talk to you. Thank you for spending time with all of us today and yeah, uh, man. we'll do it again soon, man. And I'll, I'll touch base with you a little bit later today and go over some editing and stuff.
1: Right on. I love you too, man. It's, it's-
0: Hello, everyone.